This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Well, the publishing world is one that, like many other sectors in the country, is always dealing with a level of innovation. Uh, Publishers obviously have new venues that they are able to go to, but also new technologies that they are able to uh, coordinate into their business model as well. we're going to spend a few minutes talking with uh, Brendan Cahill, who is a vice president for Penguin Random House Labs, who is also a Wharton grad, class of 2008. Nice to see you. Thank you for coming over for a few minutes. Thank you for having me. I, I was talking to you before this, but I'll, I'll start here. What is it about the industry that you think is, is, is driving it so much in a positive state right now? I think one of the great things about book publishers are is that we're aligned with the artists and authors that we work with. We we work with them to uh, enable them to sell as many books as they can, reach as many people, and really monetize the content that they devote so much of their lives to create. And we help get it out there to as many people as possible and ensure that their creative vision and processes are rewarded. How much has technology tweaked, adapted, whatever the adjective may be, the publishing industry in the last few years? Oh, tremendously. Uh, you know, if you look at the... if you think of the Mark Andreessen thesis of technology is, is eating the world, software is eating the world, and, and, and the world of disruption, uh, a lot of it in, in many ways began with book publishing uh, oh. because we were the first product class that Amazon hosted that began with books. So in many ways, we've, we've, riven, uh, we've, we've ridden a number of those tides already uh, over the course of the, of the, the years, uh, the last couple of decades, including digitization, um, and online catalogs, including... Uh, uh, direct-to-consumer marketing models, etc. So we've, we've evolved throughout the course of that. We do need to evolve a lot more. Um, consumers are demanding more than ever. Um, they have more choice in terms of the content they can reach more than ever, not just books or other sorts of media, online media, new and emergent forms. So we need to continue to make the case for books in a way that uh, perhaps they hadn't been challenged in the past. But I think that's, uh, it's an exciting opportunity to find new ways. Are there genres of books that are, that are just... And I say that because, you know, obviously the conversation in the media industry right now has been uh, surrounding the unbelievable run that the superhero genre has played in the movie industry and in, sure. a, in a lot of different fronts. Is it the same in, in the publishing industry? Are there, are, there, are there models out there that just are seemingly carrying and doing exceptionally well right now? Well, it, it's very interesting. I think the, the emergence of the ebook form in many ways replaced um, some of the use cases that the mass market paperback or inexpensive paperback right, yeah. once did. Um, that rose, obviously, at, at the time of the early 20th century as distribution really came to the fore. Penguin, founded by Alan Lane in, uh, in the Depression era of, uh, of, of Britain, really was around that model of get, making books as accessible as a pack of cigarettes. And that was you know, part of our heritage, for sure. And ebooks in many ways fulfill that now. In many ways, a lot of genres that gravitate towards a, a, a more value price have become more adopted in ebooks. Uh, romance, in particular, very heavy adoption in ebooks, and it's driven down some of what the consumer expectations for what prices they would pay for that would be. Yeah. Um, on the other side, I would say the premium approach that a publisher like Penguin Random House has um, allows us to uh, perhaps build off the success of some genre-defining books. Uh, we published George R. R. Martin here in the U.S., um, and 
his the rise in popular popularity of Game of Thrones and the TV show has allowed people to come to uh, fantasy fiction perhaps in a bigger way, and it's allowed fantasy and science fiction um, in many ways to reach a broader audience. Yeah. People who've discovered those books then discover other authors that, that he's endorsed, and it allows us to build those genres in a bigger way. Isn't that kind of area, isn't that to a degree cyclical? Because science fiction has been you know, a strong follow for several decades now. It's just the, the different... Tastes, stories that are being told, yeah. Tastes always come and go and emerge, much the same as the superhero genre with respect to, to comic books, etc. You know, it's more uh, something about, you know, becoming a feature film, a feature film series, etc. gets into the public consciousness. And I think that's that's enabled that genre. But we publish, you know, we're, we have the fortune to be uh, the, the, the largest publisher in many of the genres we publish, including mystery um, and non- main nonfiction areas, including business, where we where we have... Um, you know, uh, the market leadership or one or one position number one or position number two in those. So um, as the tides rise and fall amongst consumer tastes and different genres, we can benefit from all of that. Yeah. And much of what my team focuses on is what can we do to elevate, you know, not just Penguin Randhouse, but perhaps the whole industry in devising new models. Which means in part probably has to involve social media and all the different platforms that are out there that you can use and take advantage of, correct? For sure. We've, we've done a lot of work, uh, both experimentally and pilot-wise, as well as you know, supporting different parts of our business around um, you know, leveraging authors' reach. Um, you know, many authors have you know, massive reach in Facebook or, 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 uh, or Twitter yeah. or Instagram. What are the ways that that can benefit um, and help you know, with our retail partners and, and with, uh, with consumer discovery in different sorts of ways? There's a lot of models around that with buy buttons, et cetera, that are, that are emergent now. Uh, other uh, direct-to-consumer vertical brands like uh, you know our colleagues from Warby, Warby Parker, etc., have really plumbed. There's things that our more traditional business can also benefit from those. It's interesting you bring up something from a second ago that the relationship in terms of the promotion in your industry, much like to a degree the, the movie industry, does rely on the author himself or herself because of the following that that person probably has through obviously prior publications, but also through social media as well. It's, it's one of the really interesting things about being a publishing house. <clears throat> In many ways, our brand is a, um, it's not really a consumer brand. People know what Penguin or Random House is, but um, generally speaking, they'll know the authors more. You know, I want to read George R. R. Martin. I want to read John Grisham. I want to read E.L. James. Who the publisher is, they maybe are dimly aware of. Obviously, within the B2B world of booksellers and other media types, they're, they're probably more aware, oh, this publishing house publishes this kind of book. Yeah. But for consumers, generally speaking, the author is the brand. Yeah. So um, and it was some of the work that I did for our CEO in the uh, first couple of years when I was in a more strategic role before we formed the labs team was really thinking about how our global brand as Penguin Random House as we brought the, the very strong brand of the Penguin Bird um, and the, the, the branded house with the house of brands of Random House, which had legacy companies like Knopf or, or Crown, uh, Random House Children's, and lots of great sort of sub-brands in it. How do we balance those in a way that really helps our authors, in a way that where the brand can mean something yeah. that endorses our authors, but the, the, or, the author is, again, the, the partner who really is at the front. They're really the lead, a, a more service-based approach where we as publishers are in service to authors, their works, and getting it out to the, the reader consumer. If I, if I heard you correctly, a second ago, you also said that, that there's part of you that also wants to grow the industry as a whole because it's, it's the philosophy of rising tide lifts all boats, correct? Sure, and, 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 uh, you know, and Jeff Bezos and many others have talked about how, how books as a media product form have to compete with more and more things now, not yeah. just you know, Netflix or, 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 or streaming video, social media, 
you know, even though phones and smartphones have expanded consumer time to be able to access content and you know, e-books and, and audiobooks in particular have helped fill that some of that time with our type of content, there's the, to get into a book, to get into a longer form narrative requires more uh, sort of intellectual labor and partnering on beha- behalf of the reader, which um, you you have to make the case for books a bit more strongly, right. both in, in online environments as well as in retail environments, to cut through the noise, to be able to make a compelling case for people to devote several hours of their lives to, to get into an experience, to learn something, to engage more deeply. But uh, you know, you can you can look at scientific studies and, and you can understand more about the satisfaction that people have from books as a product form as they grow, learn, experience. It's something that people say they want to do more of. We want to help remind people of that through the type of uh, marketing mechanisms and, and merchandising models that we're experimenting. So with. then, where where is the innovation moving forward? Where where is publishing going in general? Whether it be Penguin Random House or, or another book publisher? Sure. Well. Uh, authors are always innovating. Let's 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 be frank. There, they're yeah. they're always creating new new ideas, new stories. We are going to continue to support that. We always have supported that. And again, ensuring that authors can monetize is the best way of ensuring that author innovation continues. Because then, therefore, the the ones who are successful, the ones the most popular, are then able to uh, devote their lives then to becoming book writers as opposed to doing it half time, part time, or in some sort of divided way. So, in order to support that. The innovation that our industry needs to, to focus on more is ensuring the importance of the book and the value of the book, in both within our society as well as in a very quickly changing retail landscape. Yeah. Um, and and cutting through the noise and the clutter to let people know when, book, when books come out and important ideas that are relevant to them come out. And we have great people who are innovators in terms of media reach, great people in, in marketing models, you know, email, social media, etc. as well. But partnering with our authors and partnering with our retail partners in different sorts of ways to be able to ensure that books remain relevant in 2018 and, and for many years to come um, and in ways that they're both relevant and accessible to consumers as broadly as possible. That's really our mission. Take us back a little time. You're a, you know, a decade out from, from being at the Wharton School. Uh, what are your fondest memories uh, of the time that you spent there? Well, Wharton for me was, uh, you know, for, for many others who, who came from business backgrounds or uh, had done consulting or banking or had training beforehand, in many ways it was a type of finishing school for them. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, it was, I would have been a book editor for 10 years. I had read <laughs> manuscripts and, uh, you know, we had the blue pen and, you know, done P&Ls in the back of a napkin. But the sophistication of getting, um, getting educated within a milieu of Wharton and the really fantastic uh, colleagues that I had, not just the professors who I learned from, but even more so the people who are my classmates um, and what I learned from them and got exposed to from them, the, the world of ideas around finance, strategy, marketing. Um, that was really, uh, I wound up using all of it and, and unexpectedly because of the various things that occurred within three years of graduating Wharton, I became CEO of a startup. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, yeah, and like yeah. all of a sudden, all those classes became hugely relevant, and I was like, "Wow, that accounting class that I thought was kind of esoteric now we 're creating you know pro forma you know revenue statements for these VCs that we 're pitching, and wow. all of a sudden, I really need to understand all those different pieces and mm, got to go back and refresh that memory so so those of you who are now going to Wharton or are thinking about it, be sure to pay attention to every class because you're going you 're going to use yeah. things in ways you didn't expect nice meeting you Brendan likewise thank, thank you. you. Thanks so for much. having me. Brendan Cahill uh, with uh, Penguin Random House joining us here at the Global Forum. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.